And we're back. This is the Totally Football League show. I may not be Caroline Barker, but I am Matt Davis-Adams, and I'm ready to guide you through the exhilarating, exasperating and enthralling festive EFL fixtures. In the company of two of my long-time associates, sometime colleagues and all-the-time football friends. First up, it's a stalwart of the show. More clubs than Tiger Woods, never mind his EFL career. That was just his New Year's Eve itinerary. It's Swindon Town Hall of Famer Sam Parkin. Happy New Year, Sam. Happy New Year, Matt. Good to see you. Likewise. And long-time listeners may well recognise the next voice. It's football reporter, voiceover, commentator and producer extraordinaire, the man who helped me make the non-award-winning DVD Brentford 2008-2009, a season to remember, one to uh, remember. It's Simon Watts. Hello. Good afternoon. Top performances over the festive fixtures. Obviously, there's been loads to talk about since we've been away. Sam, what's caught your eye? Well, I think some of the teams in recovery, really, first and foremost. I know we'll probably start with the championship, but Bradford and Bristol Rovers. I know Bristol Rovers dropped points yesterday, but I think the turnaround at both of those clubs, worth mentioning. David Hopkin, incredible job that he's doing at Valley Parade. And Graham Coughlin, the caretaker in at Bristol Rovers. Three wins and a draw now for them. He was quite bullish in his post-match interview yesterday and he referred to himself in the third party, which is a immediate <laughs> yellow card. But other than that, looks like he's going to get that gig. So I wanted to highlight those two clubs in particular for brilliant turnarounds. Have you ever been in a position where you've had a caretaker manager who's done really well? And Because we always hear that, oh, the dressing room wants him to get the job and then normally it tails off a bit after you get that, that initial run of results. Is that something you've experienced? Off the top of my head, no. But you can understand it. I think someone from within who's got those personal relationships with the players, Coughlin would have probably been someone that the players would have been going to away from the manager. So you have that trust there. I suppose Graham Coughlin's probably had to change a little bit in the last few weeks, but I think it's always a positive when you know the players and you know how the club have been performing before you take that role. It uh, looks like a, a done deal, but I think Bristol Rovers, the owners, will have their own ideas. So strange has not been done as of yet, but great turnaround and looking like a decent side now. And Simon, at the foot of the Championship, Millwall have caught your eye over the last couple of weeks. Yeah, absolutely. I was watching their game at Ipswich closely yesterday. And it's interesting, actually, of the the five teams who had 100% records through the Christmas period, a lot of those teams were, were sides who went into it struggling. Hull City, another one who, who've really impressed. But Millwall, first away win in 14 matches, first away victory since April as well. Yes, against an Ipswich side who are bottom of the table. But add to the fact that Sean Williams, uh, Lee Gregory were both missing uh, yesterday. I thought it was a really impressive performance and Tom Elliott's a striker I've watched a lot in the lower divisions down the years you know he's, he almost suits perfectly the Millwall mould really because uh, nobody else would take a chance on him bit of a point to prove doesn't get regular football there but he absolutely bullied the Ipswich back line and, and played a, a pivotal role in that victory and three wins out of three they were in the relegation zone going into the uh, Christmas period but they're now five points uh, clear six points clear of, of uh, the danger zone now coming out of it that part of a, a packed schedule in the EFL on New Year's Day. In terms of the Championship, just the 43 goals across 12 games on New Year's Day in the Championship. No hangovers. Ipswich lie 10 points from safety following that win for Millwall, their first away from home of the season. At the top, all very tight. Leeds and Norwich swapping places. Sheffield United and West Brom still in the hunt for automatic promotion, whilst champions-elect Stoke continue to live up to their billing. We'll start with Leeds. Second defeat in a row for them. Forest 4 leads to crazy championship-style game, essentially. Sam, this is just what happens in the championship, isn't it? You lose games every so often. No real cause for panic for Leeds? No, I don't think so. And I thought it was brilliant that when they went down to 10, he kept on attacking and trying to outscore Forest. And 
they've done the business against a lot of teams with that strategy. So credit Forrest when they went 2-1 behind to being resilient and getting back in the game. And I know Osborne had a big impact with those couple of deliveries and a wonderful goal. But no, it was a game that had everything. I don't think there's too much to worry about from a Leeds perspective. Clark maybe, you know, surely he's got to be starting more games. He's had such an impact off the bench. But for, for Forrest... It's amazing what a difference 90 minutes can make because that probably has saved the, the manager's job if we're led to believe everything we've been reading. That is indeed what we've been reading, Simon, and, and it's from well-placed sources within the East Midlands journalism scene who've been saying that. The, the camera kept cutting to Nicholas Randall, who's the chairman of Forrest, every time that Forrest scored, and he looked a bit fed up. The, the supporters were chanting for him to stay all throughout the game. If you've got the fans on your side, then surely you deserve a bit more of a stay of execution. They're seventh in the table, 20 years outside the Premier League. Obviously, there's an appetite to get back there quickly, but it's been boom or bust for so many years, it's never worked. Yeah, it's the annual Christmas Forest sack a manager scenario, which you probably know better than anybody, isn't it? But it's a really weird situation to have the supporters wanting a manager to stay and the owners wanting a manager to go because nine times out of ten, it's the other way around, isn't it? It's, it's the chairman resisting the pressure of the supporters. So that, that's really nice to see as well. And I think, you know, Forest, uh, the one thing they probably need right now is, and again, you probably know better than me as a Forest fan, but it is that consistency of keeping the manager I think this is a really and I'm speaking as an Oxford fan with a lot of supporters there are you know saying for Carl Robinson to go now after three defeats over Christmas but I think January is the worst possible time to get rid of a manager because if you have got your recruitment in place and you're ready to strengthen with one or two signings that all goes out of the window if you get rid of the manager now it's it's kind of the time where you need to stick with it and strengthen your squad and in Forest position I think they showed yesterday and, and a word for Jack Holback as well because I saw a, a stat about him couple of goals in that game he'd only scored two and 8,224 minutes before <laughs> yesterday but back to Leeds United by the way what well, after seven wins in a row and two defeats I mean they always seem to top the championship highlights packages don't they they are the the entertainers for the neutrals you never know what you're going to get with them and I guess what goes around comes around after a couple of uh, quite fortunate last minute winners over the Christmas period uh, things have come around but back round to kind of even themselves up in the end yeah and um, fortunate for them I suppose that uh, Norwich and West Brom both failed to win Kamar Roof and Joe Lolly both been linked with moves away from their respective clubs could you see either Forest or Leeds letting them go in January obviously Roof's not got long left on his contract but it would have to take something massive to get rid of either of those two at this stage for two teams looking to go up surely yeah I'm scratching my head to think of players that are more important to their respective sides Lolly definitely grab them arguably maybe for Forrest, but Roof's been a revelation this season, so I think they'll fight um, you know, to the bitter end to keep hold of those players. I mean Forrest we've I think we've talked them up quite a lot consistently on this show. I mean You called them Knots Forrest once. Did I? Nearly ended it's, our friendship. Well yeah. it's very, very poor of me and I'm, <laughs> you're right to come down on me for that reason. I expect better of myself. But no, I mean some amazing results, some performances, games really against the top sides, getting points against the, the bigger hitters in the league, but maybe just faltering against the, the lesser teams. So if they can improve in that regard, I still put Forrest as real strong contenders for the um, for the playoffs. The manager was talking after the game as if his plans are in place for the transfer window. I'm sure he'd like to add one or two. Sounds like there was a few injuries, maybe fatigue playing a part in that game yesterday, but got over the line. Brilliant, like I said, the mindset once you're 2-1 down to, to rally, given the predicament they were in. And um, no, I, I make Forrest, if they can you know, persevere with the manager, I make them strong favourites to still make the playoffs at least. 
Yeah, five goals at Villa, three at Norwich, four yeah. against Leeds. Pretty impressive. If you're listening, Mr Randall, please, let's let's at least keep one manager till the end of the season. Speaking of managers, hole six, Bolton nil, hole absolutely flying, five straight wins. Simon, Nigel Atkins has got this sort of slightly David Brent-esque reputation, I think, which maybe goes against him. It's time to give him some credit, though, isn't it? He's doing everything pretty much at that club. Yeah, and he, he's not had a great record in his last couple of jobs, but, you know, he has got promotions on his CV. Let's not forget this is the man who took Southampton into the Premier League. And when Maurizio Pochettino was brought in rather surprisingly to replace him as manager at Southampton, no one had really heard of Pochettino at the time. Everybody was saying how really harsh it was when Atkins went. I think they were about... 10th in the Premier League table and it's taken him quite a few years to sort of rebuild his career and his reputation since then I mean uh, Hull City at once upon a time you wouldn't have been surprised if he he left that job earlier in the season because it wasn't going well for him at the start of the season but you know he's had that very unenviable task of having to rebuild a team relegated from the Premier League a couple of years ago slash the budget and rebuild but in in Jared Bowen he found a player who believe in reports today if you do Tottenham Burnley, some of the clubs who are interested in him, Hull have put quite a hefty price tag on his shoulders, and quite rightly so, 13th in the table at the moment, but the kind of form that they're in, if they can keep hold of those kind of players, uh, you look at Norwich City, the fact that when they you know, stuck with their manager last season, having rebuilt their side, where they could be if they stick with it. Sam Michael Spry asks, are Hull the team in the Championship this season that go on a run and make the playoffs? Oh. They need to keep Grzycki... Bowen et al if they were to have any chance of that well that's the most important thing because if you, you're asking me about Lolly and, and Roof they're so vital to teams in the mix for the playoffs whereas Hull City there's um, uh, there's discontent not discontent sorry there's a little bit of confusion about the ownership moving forward Nigel Adkins contracts up in the summer um, it's not a club probably that we're realistically going to challenge this year so if a big offer comes in for one of those two you'd maybe imagine one of them may have to leave so that would be my concern on that front. He's done an incredible job. I'd put them on a par with QPR probably in terms of uh, a story developing that we didn't envisage uh, after the first few weeks of the season. And Grzycki and Bowen, as Simon rightly highlighted, uh, at the top of their game right now. And that was a banana skin yesterday, given the last four games, turning up against Bolton after loads of fixtures. They could have quite easily come a cropper. So... Amazing result. I wanted to highlight Chris Martin, a former teammate of mine, his first goal for Hull City. You need to get people around Chris because he's not going to run in behind. You need to get little balls into him and feed off that. And um, it made me laugh because he is the expert at winning free kicks. And he went over during the build-up to his goal. And when he realised it was there was half an opportunity of a goal, got back to his feet, ended up sticking it away. So really pleased for him to get up and running. He's hard as nails because he threatened to thump me once in training and I've never been so scared in all my life. Really? By the way. What did you do to um, invoke his... I was being sarcastic and he pulled me up on it and I just absolutely (laughs) myself. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, As for Bolton, Joe Crilly, what did you make of their performance? Yeah, I think that sums it up nicely. Brentford won, Norwich won. Jeff Stalin with the bants on Soccer Special that Norwich scored early in this match, uh, 83rd minute. A couple of great saves from Tim Krull to, to stop Brentford from winning it. We, I say we, I mean you and Adrian, were writing um, Thomas Frank's Brentford obituary before Christmas. Mm. They've gone unbeaten in four, though. They've drawn three of those, but a bit of stability. Definitely, yeah, you have to credit them. Um, I think he went to a back three. As well, early on in this run, got the victory over Bolton, wasn't it, at home? Not loads of goals, still heavily reliant on on Mopé. He's got 15 now, which is an incredible return. 
Um, and sounds like the festive period just caught up with them a little bit yesterday because hanging on against Norwich in the second half. Better team for 45 minutes, but then Norwich doing what they do. And I noticed Daniel Farker getting Jordan Rhodes on the pitch early in the second half with Pookie. So says to me that, you know, that's that's bold away from home. You only won behind, but they went big and got their rewards. 12 goals in the last 10 minutes of games. I mean, that's just... That is something that's not a fluke now. You know, that's a fitness, it's a resilience, it's something that the manager's instilling there and um, it's a good point for Norwich. It will be a good point for Norwich in the long run. I'm fascinated to see what they do this month, Simon. Obviously, last year they sold Pritchard to Huddersfield when they were in an entirely different position in the league. But Daniel Farker's got every right to go to Delia in the board and say, I'd like some players, please to get us over the line and up into the Premier League. Yeah, if he needs them. I mean, he's built a, a very good squad there based on, you know, players, a lot of the players. Yeah, they bought in Jordan Rhodes, but they, you know, not necessarily household names. So uh, certainly in this country anyway. So, you know, they're, they're very well positioned now. I mean, for all of those teams up near the top, it's interesting when you look at, you know, West Brom, Middlesbrough, Derby, you'd expect to be strong. Sheffield United probably haven't got the resources. Not sure whether Norwich City will have those resources either, but they got themselves into the position they're in at the moment for a reason and they've got some you know they've got a lot of goals within their team I just worry a little bit uh, about Norwich at the back because they, they never look too sound at the back do they yeah Sheffield Wednesday won Birmingham won Lee Bullen still in caretaker charge we're expecting Steve Bruce to be announced as the new Owls boss maybe even later on today probably by the time you hear this anyway of course he's a former Birmingham manager we know Sam's not his biggest fan Simon where, where are you on, on Steve Bruce 2019 well, it's interesting. His first league game coming up is against Hull City, his former club. But when you go through the championship, there's a very high percentage chance it's going to be one of Steve Bruce's former clubs, <laughs> isn't it? So, I mean, he knows what he's doing in the championship. He was one win away from promotion to the Premier League and a fifth promotion to the Premier League in his career. That would have been at Aston Villa last season. I know a lot of Villa fans will point the finger and say, well, they should have done a lot better than that and not even ended up in the playoffs last season, which is, is fair enough. I mean, for me, just the hook I had to go so he's a better choice than him as manager at the moment what you see is what you're going to get as we've seen with teams like Norwich and Sheffield United you don't necessarily need the financial resources to be successful in that division and he has been successful with teams like Hull before without necessarily the money of their rivals I could see why some would be underwhelmed by that appointment but I think at the very least it guarantees you probably a mid-table finish at best and I wonder how many people have managed both Sheffield United and Sheffield Wednesday in the past as well tweeters at the totally show sam we mentioned millwall's win at ipswich in terms of what millwall have done your old club ipswich 10 points adrift paul lambert saying he needs six players in january good luck getting players of reasonable quality to go to a team that are 10 points adrift at the foot Mm. of the table can you make any case for ipswich staying up not really to be honest before the christmas period i thought i felt if they had an amazing window you know they'd rally and and could maybe go close to salvaging the season, but I think it's going to be ever so difficult. You know, that game yesterday, being in a winning position and folding against a team who haven't won away from home, it's just another nail in the coffin, it seems. I suppose loanies from top clubs, you could probably try and entice them. That said, Matt, it's still a big club. And, you know, I was back there. I know know how it feels to, to walk in there and see the facilities and all that. And it does have a pull. And being back there a few weeks ago, I felt all that again. So, you know, I know we'll probably come on to someone like Stockley, for example, who's going to, uh, who's leaving Exeter. 
I mean, if Ipswich were in for him, you still think about the size of the club, what you could become at a club like that. It will have a pull, irrelevant of the predicament they're in at the moment. But I suppose the one saving grace for the Ipswich fans at the moment that they have to pull on is the young players that are getting a chance again. Always produce young players. I think there was three from the start yesterday. Dizel came on yesterday as well. Lancaster got his first goal for the club. There's some really good young boys. They just need some experience, some guidance. Hopefully they'll rally. And it'll be an exciting end to the season, but first time in 62 years it'll be down in the third tier and that is such a shame for a club of that ilk. Yeah, careful what you wish for. You might not want Mick McCarthy, but you probably didn't want Paul Lambert either. Up at the top end of the table, Sheffield United, two points behind Norwich, who are second after they won 3-0 at Wigan. Really the story here, though, Billy Sharp, top goal scorer in the top four divisions this century, is 220th in the 3-0 win um, against the Latics, moves ahead of Ricky Lambert, seven in seven games. Pretty phenomenal, Sam. 32. I remember a couple of years ago he was out on loan at Doncaster. Uh, we had him at Forest for a season. He's a real EFL legend, but that's a that's a phenomenal achievement. Yeah, and I noticed he did it in a lot fewer games as well than, than Ricky Lambert. I think they were a pairing for a spell at Southampton. So, no, it's incredible, incredible, and I love a story like that. I'm jealous, to be honest, because um, I would have liked to have played for my boyhood club all my career to be honest, and uh, Billy Sharp. I know he's been out and had some dips in his career, but he's gone back to Sheffield United a few times and he is one of their own and he's an absolute legend at the football club now and I I understand he's playing some of the best football of his career as well. Knows his limitations, I think, now. The experience is probably really aiding his performances and still getting a great return of goals. I mean, how many times do we see that that ball yesterday flashed across the six-yard box and he's there to get something on it? So what an achievement to take into your retirement and be able to remind everyone about. Simon, he's the kind of player that supporters love. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, he's still only 32 years of age, so you'd imagine, you know, maybe another, you know, 30, 40 goals to add to that tally as well. Already surpassed his tally for last season. And what's interesting, I was looking up his career stats yesterday. Uh, It's quite sad in a way, really. Only ever played two games in the Premier League five years ago for Southampton. Would be interested with that kind of goal return, you know, minimum sort of 15 goal a season striker. As you say, Championship League One, where he absolutely tore it up with Sheffield United. How he could do in the Premier League. Some might argue, you know, he is that six yard box type of player but I've always you know, loved his work rate and everything about Billy Sharp an absolute hero captain of the club as well and it was a match made in heaven really when Chris Wilder former Sheffield United player former captain Sheffield United fan growing up came back in as manager to kind of really lift the club from League One and he made Billy Sharp captain I think it was his first move to do that uh, and it's just really worked out so well for him ever since um, Anything else championship wise catch your eye New Year's Day Sam I know that um, Tammy Abraham who we've watched for a number of years continues to impress yeah I'd definitely highlight Villa QPR McGinn's pass I do it every week but John McGinn again delicious pass for Tammy's first and that's the improvement that I've spoken about in Tammy's game that movement in the box getting across people being aggressive nowhere to move now which is I think another facet to his game that is just coming on leaps and bounds and and QPR I mean incredible Uh, again from Steve McLaren Freeman is one of the standout players in the division. Um, I've seen him a lot over the last six weeks or so. He is at the top of his game and I think he's had to adjust a little bit because Eze is so fundamental to what QPR do playing centrally. I think his nose is out of joint a little bit being played wide left, Freeman, but he's kind of grown into that role now and phenomenal finish for him yesterday. So it looked like a really good game. I think 11 minutes added on and QPR... 
desperate to get over the line and get a point. So, yeah, certainly those two teams look like a good game there. And I think Red in Swansea as well, we've got a highlight, Matt. I mean, I felt it was harsh on Paul Clement at the time because they were just starting to turn it around a little bit. And I think it's two draws and four defeats since he left. If they weren't in the mire, Red in, they are now. I felt it was a strange appointment. I don't want to throw him under the bus because give him January, give him a bit of time to implement what looks like a new possession style of football. But, I mean, it was desperate yesterday and seeing some of the tweets from the supporters defensively all over the place. Even looking at the lineup, I mean, we know John Swift well and the attacking players he had out there, there was seemed to be a bit of an imbalance there. They need some solidity in the middle of the pitch, some muscle, someone to put their f- foot on the ball and to, to get stuck in a little bit and uh, and obviously need to work on them defensively to give them any type of chance of, of getting out of the predicament. Yeah, 1-4 at the Madstad to Swansea. And well done to Rotherham, beat Preston 2-1 to go out of the bottom three. Gary Rowett, Simon. Rowett out banners at Stoke as they lost 2-0 to Bristol City. He was very quick to leave Derby in the summer. He might be regretting it now. He definitely will be, I'm I'm sure, because they were the pre-season favourites, as we all know. It's mentioned all the time, but 14th in the table and looking no way near like a team. You know, look at some of those sides just above them. Swansea and Hull look far more likely if anyone's going to have a late season push for mid-table to get into the top six. And the manner of the goals they conceded as well. You know, you've got Jack Butland, who went to the World Cup in the summer. You know, an absolute ricket for the second goal there. The Calamo Dowd has scored. You've got some expensive senior players who are making some real basic errors which you know doesn't help Gary Rout. He can't do a great deal about that, I suppose. But you know, a great deal was expected this season. It has been probably the most underwhelming uh, season so far for for him. Of all the teams in the Championship, they're probably the biggest disappointment so far. Let's get some odds with William Hill on what's going to happen in the Championship for the rest of the season. Abby, in terms of a top six finish, our friend Michael Spry wondered about Hull. They're ten to one, fourteenth favourite. What about everybody else? Yeah, what else can I give you? Well, QPR. We've been talking about them quite a lot. They are six to one for a top six finish, which does sound quite good, except for when you look at the rest of the odds and you'll see that Leeds, Norwich, Sheffield United, West Brom, Derby, they are all odds on to get that top six finish, leaving the rest of them kind of cut adrift there. As for the bottom of the table, that's all done and dusted so much as the betting's concerned. Ipswich, nine to one on, Bolton, seven to two on and Reading. 11 to 4 on. So maybe save your money for the top of the table betting. All right, that's the championship. Logic dictates that next we'll go to League One. You're listening to the Totally Football League show in association with William Hill. For all the latest odds in the footballing world, check out williamhill.com or download the app. And if you don't spot something you fancy, why not tweet at William Hill using the hashtag your odds for your very own personalised bet. 18 plus only, be gamblerware.org and when the fun stops, stop. So League One then, where Sunderland provide the fans to all stadia near and far. Blackpool the latest to benefit, but then lose to the Black Cats. Portsmouth remain top, but it's Luton who are the team to watch. They last lost in the league on the 13th of October, which incidentally was against Barnsley, who they could only muster a 0-0 draw with on New Year's Day. Bramford City's surprising resurgence continues after they beat Accrington, four wins in their last five. Further down, Wimbledon, who found Wally, but he's not quite sure what to do with the Dons, it seems. Let's start with that bradford Accrington. Accrington game. Before the break, Adrian pointed out Accrington slipped down the table. They've conceded seven, scored naught in their last two games. But Bradford, real surprise. I mean, David Hopkins did a good job 
in Scotland, Simon, and, and it looked as though he was a decent appointment. It took him a while to get going, but he seems to have done it now. Well, the turning point seems to have been the changes at the very top. Everybody hated, literally hated, Eden Rahic as soon as he leaves the club. Suddenly the form, the atmosphere at the stadium improves, the crowds start coming back and uh, and David Hopkins, you know, teams start turning things around on the pitch and, you know, it might seem strange where something like that happens that doesn't necessarily have a direct impact on the pitch, but I do gen- genuinely think it did just in terms of improving the atmosphere and the mood at the football club. I was always surprised to see them, given their summer recruitment, you know, the position that they're in in the table. They've got some really good players there, your likes of Jack Payne, Owen Doyle. I think most teams in League One would have taken Owen Doyle uh, based on his goals for Oldham last season and, and he's really got going now I think five in his last five matches as well ball up front they've got some decent players there and it, and it has taken a long time to click but obviously supporting a team at the foot of the table is a worry for me but I just cannot see Bradford City being in there at the end of the season we've got a question Sam from Dave Evans touching on what Simon mentioned there given Bradford City's remarkable transformation since the departure of Edin Rahic does this give the lie to the often repeated claim that once they're on the pitch players aren't or shouldn't be affected by off the field nonsense you, you had a bit of that in your time at, at Luton with obviously the financial troubles it must go go into your thinking whilst you're at work mustn't it well, there's a couple of examples where it doesn't seem to affect them at Charlton and um, Blackpool. So it makes me think that it's dependent on how interfering the chairman is. And if we're led to believe what's been going on at Bradford and maybe Oldham Athletic to a certain degree, I think that can have an impact, definitely. So I I would have to agree with, with, with Simon because I think at Bradford it's been very difficult for a number of managers. And I think that does creep down to the playing side. If they're having a, if they're interfering in team selection and style of play that has to have an impact in isolation the the Luton for me did because it was more about I suppose your livelihood your future your wages everything you know because it was in such disarray during that period and it, it really did split the dressing room you know you have to say because everyone's got their own ambition whether it was to get a new contract away from Luton Town to get out of there straight away to come through this mess and be, become a cult hero at the club because you stayed through the the predicament they were in you know everyone had an agenda and of course when you're in free fall it's difficult to to turn that around so that was my experience of it but I'd have to agree with Simon at Bradford if you're looking at that in isolate it sounds like it's been a, a real mess so unbelievable turnaround seems like a clever manager David Hopkin as well played against Rochdale over Christmas I wanted to highlight this earlier but Changed the system completely because he was worried about what Keith Hill's team were going to do. Played a back three, packed the middle of the pitch, got one four nil, and then three nil victory over Acton yesterday. I think helped by the sending off Zenzala, the striker who's done well for Acton this year, sent off. Lewis O'Brien gets a worldie, and they um, they don't look back. So another incredible result for a, a team on the march, which I did not see this happening at all. Accrington continuing to roll down the table. Um, spare a thought for the South Korean student Young Min Yu, who travelled from Seoul to see Stanley lose 4-0 oh, to Peterborough on the 29th of December. Uh, he's only going to that one league game, but out of solidarity, he's bought a season ticket. Uh, he told the Lancashire Telegraph, the result was terrible, but I enjoyed watching the football and meeting amazing fans. Well done him. Bad news for him, bad news for you too, Simon. Plymouth 3, Oxford 0. You're here... We haven't had the chance to speak too much about Oxford this season. Um, other than it's not going great, what can you tell us? Yeah, it all kicked off a bit after the game yesterday as well. Curtis Nelson, their former captain, uh, was put up um, by the by the club's media team to speak to the local radio. He's been subject to transfer speculation in January. Walked off 
because he was asked questions about his future. Uh, and I mean, to put a bit of perspective in it, I think, you know, if you take the post-match radio phone in yesterday, every Oxford fan ringing up was saying they want Carl Robinson out. But, you know, they lost three games over Christmas. Prior to that, they'd only lost one in 16 in all competitions. If you're going to get rid of Carl Robinson, as we were saying earlier, I think probably beginning of October with four points from 11 would have been the time to do it. But, you know, the, the problems at Oxford seem pretty clear and I don't think they lay with the manager on the pitch. They just haven't got the numbers Four youth team players on the bench yesterday throughout the whole Christmas period uh, two 16 year olds on the bench one of which had to come on up front against Bristol Rovers at the weekend uh, you know Jamie Mackey their only striker having to play that number nine role which is you know where he started his career but hasn't played it for a long time but uh, you know probably not a player who was brought in to play every single week but he's the only option they've got to play up there and to be honest over Christmas I saw their game on Boxing Day against Southend they just look burnt they just look completely burnt out and they have no options from the bench yeah okay you could blame the manager's recruitment for that but he wanted to bring in uh, Nicky Maynard um, back in September, but the, the club blocked that move and he's gone on and scored goals at Berry. So, you know, there's a player who could have made a difference over that Christmas period. But Jordan Graham's already signed up on loan from Wolves. That one, you know, will go through in time for him to play against Brentford in the Cup on Saturday. And they just need more bodies. But I think, again, it comes down to the fact Carl Robinson's talking about he's spoken to four or five different strikers. People are saying, why is the deal not done now? Well, you know, Sam will know recruitment just doesn't work that easily. It's not that simple. When you're near the bottom of the table, every manager I've heard in every interview with every club in the EFL has said pretty much they need a striker in this window. They're in demand. So it's not as easy as just going out there and getting one. But you sack a manager now, your recruitment goes back to square one. Oxford sat Pep Clotet last January. They were 10th in the table. They ended up in a relegation battle. Now's really, for me, just not the time to do it. Sam Carl Robinson not short of confidence. Does he maybe make a rod for his own back in that regard? He he sets high standards for what he thinks he can do as a manager and, and so far it hasn't really come off. Yeah, quite possibly his his manner probably rubs up some of the supporters the wrong way, but I've been in his company before. I think he's one of those blokes who's quite lovable. You just gotta take it with a pinch of salt at times. Um what I will say is I know Sean Derry as well. I've worked with him before and um really rate him. I think he, he knows what he's doing. So uh, as a combination, they've got the pedigree. Um, I think Simon's right. Bare bones. Lee Bradbury's son's getting a game, and he recently as well. Yeah, yeah, 18 years old. Man, that makes me feel old. I mean, he, he is a throwback, by the way. I saw one of his recent performances when he came on. I think he, he whacked both the two centre-halves within about two minutes, got a yellow card. So, yeah, I mean, they're just down to the bare bones at the moment. I'm sure they'll turn it around. They've had a brilliant run already this season when they needed some gritty results, when there was real pressure on them. They got them, but, I mean, to lose 3-0 at, at Plymouth, a team that are not keeping clean sheets. I think Simon told me this. One in 13, isn't it, for, for Plymouth? Got great attacking players, the likes of Carey, Ladapo, who um, obviously produced a good yesterday. Lemire's getting the, the, the goals, but I mean, they've not had a formula to keep them out of the other end. So that's a, a really worrying result for the Oxford fans. Yeah, definitely. I mean, one, one thing I'd say as well, going back to the careful what you wish for thing, there was an interview with Dave Jones, the Sky Sports presenter, a few months ago, who was on Oxford United's board when Sumrath Thana Khan, Janet Suth, I practiced that on the train all the way in, Oxford's owner, um, was appointed back in March. And, you know, he, he was basically saying they were looking at the likes of Patrick Cliver and Sven Juren Eriksson as their next manager until kind of people advised, no, you need to go for somebody with a bit more League One now. So they went for Carl Robinson. So you, know, you get rid of Carl Robinson and you end up with, I don't know, you know, a Patrick Cliver. Is that going to divert you to safety? I just think, you know, everybody just, just needs to 
just take a rain check for now and a deep breath and just let them get on with their transfer business, get a few bodies in. And then if Carl Robinson doesn't turn it around, then at the end of the season, fair enough. But so often you chop and change managers. You know, I don't think that's the, the solution here. Top v bottom game at Fratton Park, Portsmouth edging it 2-1 against Wimbledon. They're five points clear after Luton failed to beat Barnsley. They've scored seven in two after losing at Gillingham on Boxing Day. So looking good for them. Speaking of salvaging seasons, Scunthorpe 2-0 winners at Peterborough, only in the relegation zone on goal difference now and, and looking up. Posh though, Simon, wheels falling off, one win in six. They've only won four home games this season. They're not going to go up if they don't improve that significantly. That's what's really killing them at the moment. I mean, let's not forget their last game before that. They won 4-0 away at Accrington and Ivan Tony, a player bang in form, scored a couple of hat-tricks in consecutive weeks. So uh, they're a curious side, Peterborough United. I think have probably got the envy of most teams in the division in terms of attacking players at their disposal uh, to the point where Jason Cummins on loan from Forest isn't really getting a game and and probably will go back to them. So uh, it's a real disappointing result for them because Scunthorpe have looked absolutely awful, particularly defensively over the last couple of months. I think Stuart McCall's already had a bid rejected for uh, a centre-half at Oldham. Um, I read earlier today as well, a couple of hundred grand. So it looks like they're going to spend a bit of money to try and get themselves out of trouble. And that's where I look back to AFC Wimbledon and fear for them a little bit because you've got teams like Oxford and Scunthorpe prepared to spend money. You've got Plymouth who've got some decent players uh, and Bradford City too. I think financially they might try and buy themselves out of trouble and I think probably from from a Wimbledon perspective that's where they might struggle to compete with everybody else Elsewhere in League One wanted to, to give a nod to James Coppinger Doncaster 5 Rochdale 0 he scored for the 14th consecutive calendar year I bet you came up against him a couple of times didn't you? Yeah and a very good Doncaster side probably I think when they were getting promoted from League One and establishing themselves in the, in the Championship they had a really good team under O'Driscoll um, I would imagine it was very good player, very clever player. But what they've got now at Doncaster, they've got his his craft, his brain with some really talented other players as well. Goal scoring of Marquis, I really like Wilkes, uh, the lad they've got on loan from, from Leeds. Very good player. And Herbie Kane, who's become my favourite son of this uh, parish the last few months. Excellent player as well. So I thought defensively they weren't particularly good, but I know they've had two uh, back-to-back clean sheets now. And there's a little gap developing at the top of League One. Um, between the the playoff contenders, if you like, and then the teams in mid-table. I think there's maybe seven, maybe eight teams now that are just cut adrift from everyone else. And and Doncaster are amongst those teams. And they've got a great shout at the playoffs because loads of goals in the team. But great diving header. Sorry to go back to your uh, question. Amazing. Yeah, can't beat a diving header. No. In terms of the odds, Abby, Pompey very much the big winners this week. Now looking almost nailed on to go up, according to the bookies. Well, much in the same way that the relegation, according to the bookies in the championship, seems to be pretty much sorted out. The promotion from League One is also sorted out. Portsmouth, 9-2-1. Luton, 5-2-1. And Sunderland, 11-8 on. Barnsley, they're evens. And Posh, we've been speaking about them. They are 10-1 to get promotion. As for the relegation, again, Three places, according to the bookies, already sorted out. That's Plymouth, Wimbledon and Scunthorpe, with Bradford, Gillingham, Bristol Rovers and Oxford all fighting it out for that much-desired fourth relegation spot. Simon, would you ever, nine to four you can get on Oxford, would you ever be tempted to to put the mortgage on that to make you feel better if they did get relegated or would that just make you feel like it was your fault? Do you know, funnily enough, I have a rule not to bet on Oxford. The only time I bet on them, and I did this in a game that Sam played in against Oxford for Swindon, is when they play Swindon, which is the 
big local derby. And the reason I bet on it is because I know I'll be so gutted when we lose. I'll put money on Swindon to win as my compensation. So I've got my beer money to go and console myself if they lose. So I'll put a cheeky tenner on Swindon to beat Oxford. Obviously, I don't care if I lose that tenner at all, but at least it gives me a little bit of compensation. Obviously, Sam, you won every Swindon versus Oxford game you played in. No, in in keeping with uh, recent history, I managed to lose 1-0 at Oxford as well. In the FA Cup, third round draw, they got Arsenal away. Ouch. All right, that's League One done. Into League Two, it's been quite the joyous time in the fields of Forest Green, who didn't lose in December, and they've continued that form into the new year with a win over Northampton. Came courtesy of a very late goal from Theo Archibald on loan from Brentford. MK Dons put six past Cambridge to keep up the pressure on the leaders Lincoln, who were held to a draw by struggling Port Vale. Vale equalising late on there. Meanwhile, at the bottom, Notts County continue to be last, despite being the first ever professional team. Start at the top, Lincoln won, Port Vale won. This is really impressive from Port Vale. I saw this game. Lincoln had a load of chances, but but Vale had already conceded 10 in two games against Lincoln this season. Got a great equaliser from Manny Oyelike, but Neil Aspin not sounding particularly happy, the Vale boss. If people don't want me here, maybe it's time for me to go. I've had a chat with the chairman. I'll be seeing him again this week. If you're playing the team that's top of the league and getting booed by your own supporters, when you're playing quite well, you're not going to do anything that's going to please them. We'll call that the reverse Karanka, Sam. (laughs) That's Neil Aspin, was it? Yesterday. Really surprises me because that I'm, I'm glad you referenced that Lincoln game, the, the previous one, because I remember the supporters after that game, he was out of a job. So they've done incredibly well, Port Vale, in, in recent times to turn their season around. That said, I did see them against um, Swindon recently and it, they were really poor. He went to a three initially, back five almost, just to start getting some clean sheets, which seems to have turned the season around from a little bit but it's still been quite inconsistent but yeah I'm amazed uh, going to Lincoln getting a point it was an incredible goal in off the bar wasn't it long ranger I mean yeah I'm I'm surprised that he's coming under stick because I think they've had tougher times this season and uh, you know that's a really good point at um, the high flying Lincoln and and not a great result for Lincoln, but not the end of the world by any means, Simon. They're still four points clear of second place MK, but maybe crucially, they've got, what, an eight-point buffer between themselves and the playoff pack. They should do it from here. Probably a League Two reality check for them a little bit, but before MK Dons, who are second in the table, won 6-0 against Cambridge yesterday, they'd lost their last couple of games before that as well. So nobody's really showing, I don't think, the consistency to... Uh, Maybe not them off their perch. Yeah, they might not finish top, but I can't see them finishing outside of the top three this season. They're just too good. And again, you'd expect them to go and add one or two players to the quality squad they've got already in January. Really impressed with Mansfield of late, a club sort of close to my heart. 1-0 winners at Grimsby on New Year's Day. Still only one defeat all season. Game in hand on MK and Lincoln above them. Grimsby had won four in a row before this, so David Flickcroft really showing that his team are promotion contenders over the last couple of weeks. Yeah, another one I, I maybe didn't see coming, to be honest. I know they got the resources there. I wasn't sure maybe that David Flickroff was the man to get the, the performances out of these players. But yeah, another good result, Neil Bishop with the goal. The veteran. He was scoring against me, my sides, 20 years ago. But they've got a nice balance there, really like Mellis, an old Chelsea player, of course, in in midfield. And they're going great guns. Massive game coming up in a couple of weeks against Carlisle, which will... I suppose, give you a indication of both of their credentials 
to see if they're they're really going to be amongst the shakeup. But I think that third position seems to be open in the, the playoff race. Colchester have been in that position, but they've stuttered in the last few weeks. So there's a gap because I think consistently. We've said that Lincoln and MK Dons are the best teams in the division. I'm sticking with it. <laughs> yeah, and they've got uh, Tyler Walker, of course, Mansfield. He's a bit more prolific in front of his goal than his old man Desmond ever was. Speaking of prolific in front of goal, MK Dons 6, Cambridge nil. Cambridge two points above the relegation zone. Simon, is Colin Calderwood too nice for a relegation scrap? I don't think he will be after that result because as a former international defender, I think he will have probably had a sleepless night after watching three of the goals conceded from from crosses, very similar sort of goals conceded. I mean, yeah, MK Dons are an outstanding team, so you wouldn't necessarily expect them to go there and get anything from the game. But to be 3-0 down after 12 minutes and uh, uh, Kieran Agard, uh, Chuck Senike, two very, very good players at that level, I'd be surprised. Maybe if one of them doesn't go, actually, I think they'd attract interest from from teams higher up as well. But from a Cambridge perspective, when you've got Macclesfield picking up a few results now under Sol Campbell, when you've got Notts County, again, with Neil Ardley going in there, I think he's going to be pretty brutal. I think he's going to have to be quite brutal with his dressing room in this window. I saw some of the quotes from him after their defeat at Oldham yesterday, basically saying he feels sorry and embarrassed to have to keep sort of making up, or not making up excuses, but you know, to keep apologising to supporters for their results. So you'd imagine big changes there as well so you know very much in danger of being sucked into it you know very good coach Colin Calderwood who's managed a coach at a higher level had success at that level with Northampton but but that was quite a long time ago now Sam as for MK they were three without a win before this Simon mentioned him there Kieran Agard in, in the running for League Two Player of the Year so far I'm not so sure about that to be honest I don't think he had a particularly good start to the season I think he's coming into fruition now but um and EK was the one I think has been a bit more consistent, possibly, and along with Healy, the Loney. They have three players we spoke about loads in the opening weeks of the season. They've just gone off the boil a little bit, but back in business yesterday. Mentioned for Carlisle, 2 0 winners at Morecambe, five on the spin for them, and a rare shortish journey for their supporters for an away game. So, happy new year to them. Uh, you mentioned Notts County, Simon, going down at Oldham. Oldham sacked their manager on the 27th of December, the 23rd departure of the season. Tell us about who you've heard is being linked with the job. I've heard someone. Yours is way more interesting than mine. <laughs> well, Jacques Santini is the name that was being banded about Tottenham over legend. the Christmas period and former France manager as well. Their they're owner's the Moroccan agent, Abdallah Lemsargam. So, yeah, maybe one of his contacts in the game. I mean, he was in the bookmakers running, but you kind of always have to take that a little bit. You know, someone could put a 20 quid bet on and suddenly your name appears in the running. But an interesting quote from this victory against Notts County because the man who was the favourite for the job, Peter Clark, veteran defender, popped up and scored the second goal for them. So don't know if he's hindered his chances of getting the job by doing that, actually, because they might think, well, we need him on the pitch. But a word for their caretaker manager, Pete Wilde, as well, because I'd never really heard of him doing a little bit of research. His his managerial career up until this point was uh, he'd taken charge of the Great Britain amputees team and he'd been coaching in the Oldham Academy, the under-12s to under-16s, only stepped up as interim youth team manager in November and thrust into the first team picture, got a 4-1 away win at Port Vale in his first game in charge and then a 2-0 victory, uh, back-to-back wins for them in the second and only four points off those playoff places now. Yeah, and he's he's got to be a hairdryer treatment kind of manager with that name, hasn't he? You can't be cool and calm and be called Pete Wilde. <laughs> the name that I heard, Sam, fans of shorts might enjoy it. Owen Coyle, 
Is that a bit more realistic? Has he burnt his bridges in, in English football with a, a series of, I would call them, failures? No, I wouldn't say so. I um, He's highly rated as a coach, Yeah, isn't he? I told a Owen Coyle anecdote only last week on the show about um, him introducing... Well, to Scottish football at St. Johnson, they used to do the volleys ah, on a Friday course. for the cream cakes and the iron brews, which was quite possibly my best thing about my time in Scotland. Sugar tax might affect that yeah. at cash-strapped Oldham. Yeah, Derek McInnes, obviously one of his disciples, I think, during his playing career, took that on. And uh, I did that at St. Johnston. He spoke at my B licence that I did. I like Owen Coyle. I think there'd be a place for him back in English games, certainly. Um, he'd be probably more suited to the climate than Jack Santini. He'd still wear his shorts, though, Certainly Lancashire. I mean, he's trying to tick off every single Lancashire football club, <laughs> isn't he, by yeah. the end of his career? I mean, I've played at Boundary Park for Oldham in May, and it was snowing. <laughs> it's a true story, and my number went up. I'd scored, so my number went up with nine minutes to go. I have not got off a football pitch so quick in my life. In the bath, last game of the season as well, so I probably had a Budweiser in there. It was incredible, but yeah, it is the. I think it's the coldest ground. It's the second highest or the highest, it but it's it. the coldest. Yeah, odds wise, Abby for League Two, Lincoln nailed on. Mansfield looking good too. What were you? And by you, I mean William Hill. Give me on Forest Green Rovers. Yeah, Forest Green Rovers. They are nine to four for promotion. I think it's quite interesting though that in spite of the table going, Lincoln, MK Dons, Mansfield, the odds are Lincoln, Mansfield, MK Dons into the relegation. Notts County. 7-4 to four on, and Macclesfield 6-4 to four on. So, again, all looking done and dusted, but we all know it can change. 4-1 to one on Cambridge. Right, next week, FA Cup mainly, but there is some League 1 and League 2. League 1, Sunderland v Charlton, obviously a big one. Wonder where Martin Bain will be watching that. Have you two both started Sunderland till I die? Yeah. It's amazing, isn't it? I've done about four. He, he is Brent, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah, He's excellent. I'm a oh, big fan of his. <laughs> Wait till you get to the penultimate episode with the fan confronting Chris Coleman. Your jaw will hit the floor. Scunthorpe v Coventry in the Mark Robbins derby. Uh, League 2, Carlisle Mansfield. You mentioned it, Sam. What a humdinger that is. Macclesfield home to Swindon, Simon. Macclesfield probably fancy their chances in that. They do look much better under Sol Campbell. Yeah, they definitely look a lot better. I mean, uh, they were quite unfortunate to, to not get anything from their game up at Inform Carlisle on Saturday and, and then a draw with Tranmere last time out and watching the goals from the Swindon game against Exeter. They're a strange phenomenon, Swindon, really, because you know I'm sure Sam's seen a lot more of them than me this season, but occasions they look good. But you know the goals they conceded in particular were pretty poor. Uh, goalkeeper Lawrence Vigoru, a favourite of the Oxford supporters, because you know he's prone to a clanger, a, a real kind of maverick. If ever there was a word to describe a keeper, that would probably be the one. So uh, yeah, I'm sure Sol Campbell. It's going to be interesting to see how how things work with Sol Campbell. You know, you would imagine he comes very well connected at Macclesfield. So again coming into this transfer window uh, whether he can pull off one or two loan signings from a few of his contacts within the game to to really help drag them out of the situation they're in Sam the FA Cup draw uh, it's kind of got my goat because there are loads of games at 12.30 and 5.30 on Saturday apparently to appease international TV broadcasters I think there's five three o'clock kickoffs. what over Friday Saturday Sunday Monday however long they're playing it for has caught your eye so I'll give you three that there will be an upset in okay in one of them bold Sheffield Wednesday Luton Shrewsbury Stoke and West Ham Birmingham. 
Okay. Oh, so you're saying there's going to be an going to be an upset in one, one of those? Of them. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Right, Simon. For me, uh, Burnley against Barnsley. I really like the look of Barnsley and Daniel Stendel's team this season. My only reservation is whether as a, a continental coach coming in, he he mixes up the Barnsley team for that one. But given the fact that Lincoln went and won as a non-league team against Burnley a couple of years ago in the cup, and you know they've got a big agenda in the Premier League at the moment to get themselves out of danger, then uh, I think there's potential for a shock at Turf Moor. We'd be surprised to learn that I'm looking forward to Chelsea versus Forest. Um, one European Cup versus two. Forest playing the uh, FA Cup holders in the third round for the second season in a row. And my mum's coming with me. She's going to sit on the gantry with us for that one to watch us lose by four goals, probably. Wasn't she there for the Arsenal victory? She was, well remembered, yeah. Go. So maybe she'll be a lucky charm. But who do I want to win? Um, <laughs> yeah, anyway. That'll be good. That's about it for this week. Apologies for the lack of innuendo. Don't worry, Caroline's back next week. I'll be back later in the month. Do drop us a line whenever you like on Twitter at The Totally Show. Simon, Sam, anyone got interest? anything interesting lined up for this week? I've taken in the Crystal Palace Grimsby, big third round tie, and Millwall against Hull City. Who Oxford got, Simon? Uh, Brentford away in the Cup. So, nice local trip for them. Uh, so, they'll take a lot of travelling supporters uh, down there. A few weeks ago, uh, given Oxford's run of form and the way Brentford were playing under Thomas Frank, I'd have fancied our chances. But that hope has diminished a little bit. But it's the hope that kills you, isn't it? Right, until next time, thanks for your company. I've been Matt Davis-Adams. You've been listening to the Totally Football League Show. You've been listening to the Totally Football League Show, a Muddy Knees Media production. For sales and advertising, email sales at muddykneesmedia.com and be sure to check out our other football shows on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Audio Boom, and everywhere else you get your audio on demand. Supporting your team can be a beautiful thing, but then come the injuries, the goal droughts, and the downright disastrous defeats. That's a little bit like life, really. And here at the Totally Football Show, we believe we should all support each other the way we support our team, through the good days and the bad. And that's why we're continuing to work with Calm, the campaign against living miserably, a charity dedicated to preventing male suicide. On average, 12 men take their own life every day in the UK. So that's your starting 11 and your manager every single day. And part of the problem is that many of us still feel uncomfortable talking about mental health and suicide, and this can often stop men from opening up and getting support when they need it the most. So if you're worried that someone close to you is having a tough time, check in with them and let them know that Calm is there. Every day from 5pm till midnight, Calm provide a free, confidential and anonymous helpline and web chat for any man who needs support. Visit thecalmzone.net to find out more about Calm.